welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who and Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the memorable Matt. Hello there. Well, Matt, it's been a while since we last spoke. Yeah, it feels like forever. Yeah. Yeah, been off on the jollies. Been anywhere nice? Mm. Been hitting up the barracks. Oh. So um, my um, my partner's family live uh, a stone's throw away from Berwick upon Tweed, um, so we we took our sort of um, bodged camper uh, up for a uh, few days on a campsite in North Berwick, which is on that bit of coast there. Uh, and then, uh, after a few days there, headed back down a little bit to uh, Berwick upon Tweed to spend a few days with uh, my partner's family as well. Um, so yeah, it was very lovely. All the Berwicks. Good, good. Yeah. And the weather's been nice for you. Uh, by and large, the the campsite we were at in North Berwick, the first couple of nights. Um, it was uh, extremely windy, <laughs> and. Um, we got a little awning to go on the back of the van and uh, it was very, it was our first time using it and it was very much a trial by, well, I was going to say trial by fire, trial by wind, mm. let's be honest. We, we were very much uh, wondering whether it might just sort of rip the thing clean off. Uh, but fortunately it didn't. It withstood the, the barrage and, um, but yeah, most of the time we were there, it was beautiful sunshine. And uh, yeah, just got to pot around, really. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, any what about any areas what? of local interest? Any standing stones? Any bodies of water? Uh, we did. We d- uh, I did visit, because uh, my, my birthday happened to coincide one of the days, so I did. Um, it, it's <laughs> not been your birthday, me. has it? Yeah. Fourth of August. I thought your birthday was well early in the year. I thought you were like May or something. Nah. nah. Oh. As the song anyway. goes, David, if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked you a cake. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so we, we visited a standing stone on my birthday. Um, and we also visited, because uh, we were travelling that day between the barracks, so we popped into the uh, incredible little coastal village uh, known as Cove. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I'm aware uh, of but it, if you go- never been. Yeah, if you Google some images of it, listeners, um, just stunningly beautiful. Quite, quite, quite a unique uh, little place, and it was a, it was a purely spontaneous division, uh, decision to just pop in and have a little poke around at Cove, and uh, very glad that we did that. Um, what else did we do? I'm going to be honest, Matt. I was very boring, boring, and spent a lot of time sat on my own having a read. Uh, well. Which if it's was good lovely. for the soul. No. <laughs> it absolutely was. Good. Um, but uh, yeah, how have you been keeping in the in the meantime? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, I think mm. since I spoke to you last, I went for I went out walking, went round Nidderdale. I think I told you I was going to do that. Uh, yes. Yeah. That was nice. Went up to Nairsborough. That's all hills. Lovely. That's very steep. Mm-hmm. It is a steep place. Yeah, yeah. So I think I managed to hide my several asthma attacks from my friend. Um, <laughs> but then I got a taste for the outdoors, so I thought, it's been a while. It's been a few years. I'm going to climb Rosebury Topping. Oh, lovely. That's steep, isn't it? That's a big old hill. Oh, it is. It is. I've only done it the once. I'd love to do it again. Yeah. That's, should, oh, that's should we go the one day? Going... Should, we go, should we do it together? And then we can carry oh. each other's asthma inhalers. I, I, I'd be up for that. Uh, that's the other thing I was going to mention. At North Berwick, there is an amazing hill called Felton Law mm-hmm. um, that I dearly wanted to go up. Uh, and we, we, we persuaded little Zorbs that we were going to go up there. Um, we parked at the bottom and he just suddenly said, uh, I don't want to go up that steep hill. And I was like, you know what? I could I could cope with carrying him for bits and bobs, but there is no way I am hefting a three and a half year old up a steep hill and back down again 
whilst he whinges the entire time about how he doesn't want to be doing it. That's that's not a treat for me, um, but yeah, there's a, there's a fi- there's a fiberglass whale jaw at the top of that hill. Wow, I wonder how they got it there. Carried it up, I think. Yeah, well. Uh, so basically, it used to be it used to be a genuine uh, whale's jawbone, um, and after a certain point, it got removed. I think because the council, for whatever reason, were like, you you can't just have. <laughs> a manky old bone sat on top of a hill and then some anonymous donation um uh, somebody basically saw to it that a fiberglass replacement could be found um so it's quite a striking image uh at, at the summit and you're, you're almost surrounded by coast and uh so yeah i've done a lot of reading about that hill <laughs> but not managed to get up it yet so well, so as i'm concerned unfinished business like, there as i was going up rosebury topping um yeah it, it just keeps going there's just more hill the more you climb mm-hmm. there's just the next hill um but i'm certain the people that were walking past like going morning uh thought <laughs> you know i was like an old sea captain staring out across the land but actually i was just like <laughs> sweating, worried I was going to die, um, listening to Married to Who for comfort, so... Ah, <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. And then... I think the, the thing with, the, with these kinds of things is um, it, it, it's astonishing how quickly your body starts to build up the stamina for those, that kind of walking. Yeah. If you do it, do it regularly for six months, all of a sudden something like Rosebury Topping is a breeze, yeah. which is why you see... You know, people in their sixties just, just, just sauntering up incredibly steep inclines like it's no big oh, deal. Yeah. It's because like they do it every week. Walking his dog, and I was like, just yeah. sat on this rock, just going, "Oh, I'm just enjoying the views." But I was like, I don't think my legs work anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then since then, I went to a friend's wedding. Um, oh, lovely! That might be. I don't, I don't know about you, David, but maybe once mm. every five to ten years, now, now that I'm a bit older, a bit more adult, yeah, I just drink too much. And, mm. oh my word, I was a state. <laughs> at, at one point, me and my friend from work were playing a game called Who Can Put Their Hand in the Goose's Pen the Longest? And <laughs> there was just this hissing goose... And you know people say geese can break your arms with a peck. Yeah. I genuinely yeah. thought I'd broken a finger. They hurt. Jeez. Yeah. Well, um, you've only yourself to blame, Matt. Yeah. Let's be honest. Don't, you can't blame the drink there. No, no. We, that was your choice to make. I, I just went feral, David. I was just, I, I just got really, really silly. Oh dear. So you, are, are you feeling it? Uh, were you feeling it the next day? Uh, yeah, because the next day I stayed in a hotel and mm-hmm. I booked like a full breakfast and the lady put it all out in front of me. I think I had about eight glasses of apple juice, half a spoon of baked beans and then went home. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, bless you. And then yesterday I drove to Sheffield Mm-hmm. That should be an hour and a half drive. It took us over three hours because there was a massive accident on the M1. Mm, good lord! Yeah, so I was just sat still in my car where the air conditioning's broken for over an hour. Not ideal. No, not ideal. Sometimes I think like the good lord's testing me with karmic realignment. <laughs> but then, if we're talking plans, David, tomorrow's the biggie. Oh, yeah. What's tomorrow? Tomorrow, in person, I'm going to hang out with Harry from the Who Can Convince You podcast. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. The streets won't know what's hidden. (laughs) You two up to anything fancy? Or is it all top secret? I don't really know. We've just said, oh, should we just meet? Uh, So he's actually on holiday close to where we live in York. Oh, lovely. So I said I would go through. But it'd be like when I met Rob from the Cloyster Bell podcast. You, you don't get it when you talk on Skype. But Rob is so tall, David. 
<laughs> Is he? I think, honestly, if I had to guesstimate, how tall's a door? Seven foot? <laughs> probably, about that. Yeah, I, I'd say Rob then is probably about seven foot four, seven foot five. Really? Good yeah. lord. He's taller than a doll. Easily. That's, that's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah, I was like shoulder height on him. Incredible. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. One, yeah, for just file that away, listeners, if any of you are also uh, subscribed to the Gloister Bell, which you should be, of course. Mm. So, yeah, it's a pretty busy week. Yeah, uh, yeah sounds it. Had a re- I know we don't do Meal of the Week, David, but um, mm-hmm. I had a lovely bruschetta for my lunch yesterday. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I'm trying to think what's the nicest thing I had whilst I was away. I had a pretty nice takeaway pizza on my birthday. Ooh, what topics? From, uh, from... Um, I went with what what they referred to as the garden party because it's one of those places where they got like p- pointlessly given fancy names to uh, mm-hmm. just toppings on pizzas, um, which I believe was a fairly standard vegetarian option: red onion, green peppers, bit of sweet corn, some mushrooms. That was very nice, and uh, we got we got a side of chips with it. What do Scottish people put on their chips? Um, that make them... Is it chip salt? Just, is it called? Yeah, something like that. I mean, the first couple I had, I was like, oh, no, those are a bit too salty. But then I could not stop eating them, Matt. Really? I just could not stop. They were so good. See, it's like when I was in Australia, they put what's called chicken salt on their chips. And right. It's almost like ground-up chicken stock cube. Right, okay. Uh, Maybe not quite as strong, but oh, yeah, Yeah. their chips are good. Yeah. Red Rooster. If uh, Marty McLean's listening from Australia, Red Rooster Mm. is the best takeaway on planet Earth. Well, duly noted. Yeah. Uh, Not that I'm intending to be in Australia anytime soon, but you never know. You never know where life will take you. If you are, get a Red Rooster. Good to know. Uh, we should probably mention what we're talking about this week, Matt. Yeah, it's been... We're just, we're just having a little catch-up, aren't we? <laughs> um, we are going to be discussing Ghost Machine. Mm. Episode 3 of Series 1 of Torchwood. Got that to look forward to. Or not, as the case may be. Um, but in the meantime, Matt, uh, did, uh, did you want to do one of our... Should we do our new regular feature? Well, David, I put a, a poll up on Twitter this morning yeah. that just yeah. said, let us letters, yay or nay. Uh-huh. Uh, there were seven responses. Six people said yay. And then some absolute slug put nay. Oh. Not brave enough to say why. Just no. Just no. So. Show yourself, coward. Yeah. Expose yourself and then we can block you on Twitter. <laughs> That's how you build a fan base, right? Yeah. And just being needlessly aggressive. Exclude anyone that doesn't share our world vision. Uh, well, anyway, that's overwhelm a very positive response to the new segment. So I'd say let's crack on. Don't say let's crack on. Say, Matt, let us let us. Ah, uh, okay. Is that, that's, 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 how, the that's how we say right. it, yeah. Yeah. Have we got a theme tune for it yet? Uh, yeah. Great. Then, Matt, without any further ado, let us, let us. I'm going to have to make a theme tune now, aren't I? <laughs> Presumably. Um, <laughs> you said yes very confidently there. I I'll, assumed we had I'll do one. that song, America, by Simon Garfunkel, where it goes, let us be lovers, we'll marry... But it'll just go letters, and then me just go letters. There we go. All right. Letters. Letters. Right, David, I've got three headings for you to pick. Okay. Would you like 60 NPH? Would you like spoilers? 
Or would you like discovering Doctor Who? Oh, um, it's very much the theme of our podcast, isn't it? And it's a thing that I've always liked. It's the reason I wanted to do this podcast with you in the first place. Discovering Doctor Who. Discovering Let's Doctor do that Who. Week. Right, I'm just going to pick some of these at random, David. I'm not okay. reading all of them because there's loads. In fact, I'm probably okay. just going to pick the really short ones. Do that. Right, the first one, David, comes courtesy of Miles Curtis via email. Hello, Miles. Know you're a big fan of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, did we even say that Letters, Letters is where we read the letters from Doctor Who magazine? I don't think we did, but, you know... I don't want anyone thinking this is listener tweets. No. Because we have listener tweet controversy that we need to address later in the episode, David. Oh, exciting. Ooh. Exciting little tease there. I hope you've got an apology ready, because this is your fault. Okay. Is it? <laughs> the first letter comes from Miles Curtis, who says, During the mid-60s, I would have been about six or seven, and my dad took me to the pictures. In those days, Lincoln had two cinemas. He gave me a choice between Pinocchio at the ABC or Doctor Who and the Daleks at the Odeon. I chose Doctor Who, of course, and I've never looked back. Excellent. Good choice. I'd have gone Pinocchio. Did did you have, uh, you've seen Disney's Pinocchio? Yeah, I take it. I got no horrifying to film. hold me down da, 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 to make me frown. Absolute, absolute creep fest of a of a uh, film that one. Right before we get into that, I'm going to read Rhiannon Hopkins' email. Right. Um, I think tying into last week, this is everyone just saying when they'd seen the Doctor Who movies. By the way, ah, uh, seems like it. Yeah. So, I first saw Doctor Who and the Daleks around 2006 with my mum. I was about eight or nine at the time, and although I loved it, I cried when all the Daleks got destroyed. I was a sensitive child, and I adored the Daleks. Seeing them hurt really broke my little heart. <laughs> Poor little murder machines. Yeah, should we go for one more? Yeah, one more. So, Ian Williams, by email says, my mum took me to see Daleks Invasion Earth, 2150 AD, at the long-defunct welfare cinema in Swansea, probably around 1969. I was quite young, so I didn't remember a darn thing about it until it was first shown on the BBC. I remember being disappointed that it wasn't proper Doctor Who. No proper theme, no proper TARDIS interior, but I did enjoy Peter Cushing's Doctor and the supporting cast. And the Daleks looked marvellous, in their striking livery. Yeah. I, I I cannot wait for us to do those films one day, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't figured out exactly when or how. Um, I don't know whether I said on pod or not, because the, th the trouble is I'm torn, because those two films are adapted from William Hartnell stories, and part of me wants you to see the William Hartnell versions first... So you can rate them as adaptations. But then also part of me is like, well, I saw them before I saw the Hartnell stories and it didn't do me any harm. So maybe we just do it. I don't know. How curious are you about, about the Cushing films? Not at all. You don't want to see what Peter Cushing's like as Doctor Who? No, I don't care. You don't want to see lots of lovely brightly coloured Daleks? I've seen them. They look like iPods. You, you don't want to see uh, Cribbins in his prime? Oh, you know how to sell it to me, David. <laughs> right, I'm going to read one more. Okay. Uh, this one, it says, comes from Matt in North Yorkshire, who says, uh, I used to hang out with one of my friends, and then one day he was like, have you ever watched Doctor Who? And I was like, no, it's a bit rubbish. And then he said, no, it isn't. And I said, yeah, it is. And then we watched it. And we talk about it. The end. <laughs> that, that's my origin story. Yeah. What's your Doctor yeah. Who origin story, David? Have you ever told us on pod? I think I've told us on uh, uh, pod. And the trouble is, it's incredibly vague to me. The more I think about it and the more research I do, I'm pretty sure the first thing I would have seen was the Cushing movies, which I had taped off the telly. So they were probably shown on some like bank holiday or something in the early 90s. 
I want to say I would have been five or six years old, maybe a little older. Um, but I think I saw those before the McGann film. And I think I saw the McGann film and around the time of that, because there was renewed interest in Doctor Who, the BBC, BBC Two did a series of repeats and I watched some of those repeats. I distinctly remember watching a bit of Pertwee and a bit of Tom Baker, but that was about it. I didn't watch it religiously. Um, so, yeah, the, my go to analogy has always been um, that probably apocryphal thing that if you put a, a live frog in, in cold water and slowly turn up the heat, the frog won't realise it's being boiled alive. That is how Doctor Who fandom has taken hold of me. It wasn't until I was pretty deep into it that I suddenly realised, oh, wait, I'd like Doctor Who more than the average UK citizen. <laughs> and I think that realisation dawned on me around the time of the 50th anniversary. So, um, yeah, it would have been probably after you'd met me, even. I was definitely... A I, I remember, in fact, whilst we're doing nostalgia and stuff, I distinctly remember a time when uh, I think we were heading to one of our earliest D&D &D sessions and it was me, you and Roy in the car. Uh, and I think it was, I think the episode that had just aired was The Name of the Doctor. So the one that reveals John Hurt mm -hmm. as the war doctor. Um, and uh, I remember saying to you two, need of you uh, watch Doctor Who? <laughs> last night and uh the response was just like nah <laughs> from both of you and i'm just like oh <laughs> i thought i'd found my people <laughs> well no um but uh there you go uh so yeah it's it's that, that's the thing it's very very hard for me to pinpoint the moment that i tipped over from someone who was curious about someone about Doctor Who to someone who was obsessed with Doctor Who. And I think it was almost, it was always there like a latent gene waiting to be activated. <laughs> At a certain point, I just, uh, yeah, I just had sufficient Doctor Who input that it became uh, the primary focus of my uh, uh, free time. But, um, yeah, so there you go. Um, we should probably move on. Yeah. Shouldn't we? Yeah. Do, do you want a bit of news, Matt? Always. Always. Then strap in, everyone, because it is time for Have I Got Who's For New? <laughs> I can't speak either now. Have I Got Who's For New? <laughs> no, keep going. Third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have I got who's for you? Well done. Well done. Got I'll, there. I'll clear that up in the edit. No, you won't. Nope. We all know you won't, Matt. I only edit out my mistakes. <laughs> right. Okay. You will have to edit out of this because my phone has just fully frozen on me. So unless you want to look it up this week, Matt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll look up some Doctor Who news. Yeah, go for it, because my, my phone is just, it's not happy. Not a happy bunny at all. It's uh, not letting me type anything. Right, you can have Doctor Who star Matt Smith reveals whether he would reprise the role. Uh-huh. Uh, from Bleeding Cool, we've got Chris Chibnall forgot he should be writing for The Doctor. Uh, we then what, have what Doctor Who casting rumours addressed by Chris Marshall. Mm. Or I'm only going to give you four options. The last one from Nottinghamshire Live. Entire National Trust site Belton House closed for rumoured Doctor Who filming. Did we not discuss that a month ago? Oh, we maybe did. Uh, but I guess that's confirmation of that. Um, oh, 
Go on, let's have the Chris Marshall one. Okay. Do you, I don't know whether you whether you, we were doing the podcast the last time he was being rumoured. Uh, there was a whole before Jodie Whittaker was announced. There was this whole subset of people who were convinced that it was going to be Chris Marshall, to the point that it became a meme. All right. So I imagine it's in reference to that. So Death in Paradise star Chris Marshall has spoken on the perennial rumour that he could take over the TARDIS in Doctor Who, admitting he's never been approached. The actor has been on Next Doctor rumour lists a number of times in the past decade or so, notably when Peter Capaldi stepped down from the role, and again when Jodie Whittaker announced her departure. While the regeneration into Marshall has never materialised, the actor has suggested that all those rumours never really had any substance in the first place. So here's a quote from Mr. Marshall himself. If I'd been approached to audition for a show at the vanguard of TV for the last 50 years, I'd at least have done my research. But I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who, he told the Radio oh, Times. I'm sure it's brilliant, shocking. but no, I've never been approached. Reflecting on why the speculation may have surfaced, Marshall suggested, I left Death in Paradise at about the same time as Peter Capaldi left Doctor Who. So the tabloids must have put two and two together to make five. Yep, sounds about right. Mm. Um, but yeah, I wonder if that would have soured. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether anyone was seriously advocating or looking forward to Chris Marshall. Like, almost instantly, the discussions around Chris Marshall seem to be couched in about five layers of irony. So it's very hard to determine whether anyone was actually excited at the prospect for a Chris Marshall Doctor. But I think that the, the admission that he's never watched Doctor Who would certainly uh, won't win him any brownie points within the fandom. Mm. I don't know. It, I, I'm sure he'd be OK, but it's a bit of an uninspiring choice for me. Yeah. If you look at the variation does... between Capaldi, Whitaker. And Shooty Gatwa, you've gone, you know, three extremes the, of the triangle, haven't you? Yeah, very different directions with all of those, and that's and that's the wonderful thing about this part. And yeah, I think, I don't know, I haven't seen Chris Marshall in enough to really say definitively how I feel about him, but it it seems like very. He seems like a sort of everyman kind of actor, a bit like Martin Freeman. And I just worry that, uh, that that his doctor would just probably be a little bit dull. Yeah. A little bit safe. Um, I, I guess if you maybe, if you, you wanted a sort of, I don't know, this is a disservice to Davison, but almost like a palate cleanser doctor in the way that I think Davison was to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um Having said that, uh, that does sort of lead on to the broader question of do you think it's better when the, the the actor playing the Doctor is a fan or not? So if you look, if we focus on you, who you've got fans like uh, Tennant and Capaldi versus, you know, your non-fans, I would say uh, certainly Eccleston, uh, Smith. Whitaker, I don't think, was following it particularly closely prior to being cast. Um, I don't think Gat was seen much of it. I think he probably, I think he watched, I think he said he watched sort of, you know, your Eccleston series, early Tenant, but then presumably, you know, was had far better things to do with his time than uh, religiously watched Doctor Who. Um do you have any strong feelings on that either way, Matt? Uh, I don't know. I think there's strengths and weaknesses for both, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think there is something very sweet and charming about the idea of someone who grew up loving Doctor Who living the ultimate fan fantasy of getting to play the part on TV. Yeah. And to become part of that legacy. If it's somebody who knows everything about everything... Does that almost make it like inaccessible? You know, if they're just throwing in references to everything, does it shut yeah. out newcomers? 
Potentially. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say the, the Capaldi era would ha- suffered from that too much, but there certainly are moments here and there. Um, you know, little touches that, that Capaldi put in. Like, I'm thinking, for example, uh, the jelly babies in the cigarette case when they did uh, Mummy on the Orient Express. That was Capaldi's own idea to mm-hmm. do that as a, as a reference to the fourth Doctor. Um, and it, and it's cute, but and I think it probably works on a level if you, you're not familiar with that era, but it probably doesn't land quite as intended if you don't get the joke, if you don't get the reference of it. Yeah. Um, but all of that stuff is, you know... You know, window dressing. I don't think any of that detracts from the phenomenal performance he put in as the Doctor, which is, you know, it's not just a combination of things previous actors have done. He took that part and made it his own. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think just cast just cast somebody good. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it really comes down to, isn't it's it? It's just that simple, isn't it? Yeah. Pick a good actor. Get, write good scripts for them. Let them be the doctor. Yeah, yeah. If everyone does a good uh, job, anyway. Yes, indeed, indeed. All right, Matt. I reckon it's probably time to talk about Ghost Machine. Mm. Do any of our listeners have any thoughts on this? Yeah, this is where you need to apologise, David. All right then. Uh, what have I done wrong? Because the last couple of weeks, when I've been scanning through listener tweets, yeah, just by sheer accident, uh, uh, both weeks I've missed Ariel's tweets and not read them out. So I mean, do, right. do you want to apologise for that, please? Um, from the bottom of my heart, Ariel, I am deeply sorry that uh, that I have caused Matt to. Uh, accidentally miss your tweets cheers mate yeah i mean what what more can i say it's the 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 blame lies squarely with me yeah right so we'll start with ariel's we'll put we'll put a first this week (laughs) if that's okay i think that's only fair right so ariel says i thought it was pretty good definitely liked it more than the last one i like the ones that touch on history more yeah yeah, um, that was that was. It, I don't want to tip my hat too much, but it was kind of uh, I'd for, forgotten about this episode entirely, and it was. It is nice to see Torchwood finding a way to uh, pull in a historical element. Right. Next up, we'll go BT Flippity Gigget. Say hello, David. Ooh. Greetings, curator. It says probably the first Torchwood episode that shows potential. Granted, the editing is book wild, especially in the first scene, and the tone is all <laughs> over the place. But Owen gets some great moments, and the script takes the plot very seriously. Not perfect, mm. but passable. Yeah, I think that's a very fair summary, to be honest. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably talk about the editing a bit more when we get to it, but I, I see where you're coming from with that. Uh, then we only got three tweets this week. Ah, yeah, people right. have stopped now that we're doing Torchwood. It seems. Yeah, people have people have completely disengaged because they're like, I don't want, to, I don't want to be reminded of this shit spin off. Yeah, yeah, they have my full sympathy. Right. Uh, so James yeah. Swifty Swift up next. Say hello, David. Hi, James. James says, I really like this episode. It's the first Torchwood episode that shows it to be the show I enjoy. It's the first episode that isn't Doctor Who, but edgy. Owen gets an extra dimension. Gwen gets a little more character. I like it, but again, when I was a kid, it scared me. Yeah, I'm not surprised. This isn't for kids, James. Yeah. You should not have been watching this. James, you need to speak to your parents. Okay. Yeah. um, All right. So, uh, broadly positive. Do Do you share that positivity, Matt? Um, I mean, it's the best one we've seen so far. Oh, yeah. Easily best of the three so far. But... I mean, if you com- said, compared to last week's alone, this is this is basically a, ma- a masterpiece. But if you said, do I want to watch this or A Town Called Mercy, a Doctor Who episode I'm largely indifferent to, I'd watch that instead. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. That's sort of where, where I stand. Well, like, I, 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 I know it's one of your big catchphrases, but I did think today, am, am I a Doctor Who fan? Because compared to this, I definitely am. Yeah. If I could say I think... one good thing about this episode, it, it was pithy. It wasn't a slog. We got through it quick. Yes, yeah. And I think that's probably because it, it very much played into the police procedural element mm. there were times it actually reminded me of a show you've never seen but probably should watch at some point life on mars oh, don't tell me what to do with my time <laughs> just saying it's a, a good show man. Man. um if, if yeah, we're talking about so... things we've watched uh it's probably time for me to spoil another film this has become my new favorite segment all right okay go on uh this week i watched prey which is the latest yeah. in the predator films and at the end, they kill the predator. But you probably could have guessed oh, that's that. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I've been. I've heard it's. It's been very, very well received. Yeah, it's good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, uh, I finished closure, watching never, the boys never watched as well. Predator film. Here's some spoilers. So uh, Butcher's wife dies. Uh, it turns out she had a son with Homelander, and Soldier Boy was alive the whole time. Homelander is Soldier Boy's son, but at the end. Queen Maeve throws Soldier Boy out of a window and he explodes. So there you go. Uh, no need to watch the boys anymore, anyone. Great. I love spoiling TV for people, David. Yes, we've established that. Uh, I should have watched the last episode of Neighbours. Imagine if someone was working yeah. their way through Neighbours and I got to spoil <laughs> it 40 years in advance. Uh, who's working their way through Neighbours, Matt? Come off it. Well, who's working Nobody their bloody way through that. Torchwood? There's probably a bloody podcast out there. Yeah. Everything's got a I podcast. I suppose. I suppose. I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm on my phone, David. I'm on the Apple Podcasts uh, app, and I'm just gonna type in Neighbours. Uh, yeah, there's one called Neighbours. There's one called Neighbours Talks. There's one simply called Neighbours. There's Ramsey Speak. There's hundreds. Crikey. Imagine imagine that, hey, listeners. What kind of a nerd would you have to be to yeah. host a weekly podcast about something as inconsequential as Neighbours? I'm going to message one of them. I'm going to get in touch yeah. with Neighbours. Anyway, Matt. Let's do a crossover <laughs> Right, okay, come on. So, um, you you largely thought, compared to what we've had before, decent, but still not, like, not good enough that you'd be watching this if you didn't have to, every if you weren't sort of socially obligated. Yeah, bad episodes of Doctor Who better than so. this. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I have yet to see that episode of Torchwood that makes me sit up and think, oh, this is just rock-solid TV in its own right. The the only thing sort of sustaining my interest in this is, one, the obligation of having to do it for the podcast, and, B, the fact that it is uh, ostensibly set in the Doctor Who universe. Um, but that being said, as a standalone piece of TV, this episode is at least competently written and performed... <laughs> Wait, Direction. wait till I talk about the performance. Just you wait. I, I oh, okay. even recorded my television so I can play you a certain soundbite. Uh, it, it's okay. worse than that one that. we saw where Tegan does an Australian accent. <laughs> what do you mean, her natural speaking voice? Yeah, where it's just like, you <laughs> are in for a surprise. I still, I've still got that on my phone. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> Should send it for your ringtone. Yeah. Um, all right. I look forward to that then. Um, but yeah. So, it, but yeah, it's not. It's not bad. It's definitely not bad. But I can't quite hand on heart say this was good TV. No. Like it still feels messy, and has me thinking like. 
Who is this for? Who wants this? That's what I keep coming back to. Who sees something like this and is like, yes, no, this is what I want from TV. Because um, it's certainly not me. It's it, it, Oh, hello, sausage. You shout it as loud as you can. You, get, you, sh you need to ask me something. Doctor Who is rubbish. Oh, that's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> I've got listeners here who think Doctor Who is quite good. Mm. Oh well, each to their own, eh? Come on. Right, come on, kiddo. Stop whacking my board games. <laughs> Off with you. Come Scoot. On. You needed the toilet. Right, okay. See you later, Zorbs. <laughs> well. <laughs> if you think Dr. Um, Hughes rubbish, just... maybe get him on Torchwood. <laughs> maybe that's the way, eh, Matt? Yeah. Maybe that's the way. <laughs> right, I've, I've lost my train of thought now. Let's just do it. Let's, let's just dive into this. Right. Let's get this over and done with. So... One thing I've, I've written down, David, that I really should have mentioned at the beginning of this episode, but I've right. only just opened my notebook. This is episode 195. It's almost episode is 200. It? Oh, crikey. We got anything exciting planned? Uh, we've Do got, we want to tease the listeners? We've got everything exciting planned, and we'll say more oh. next week when we remember. Okay. Right. I wrote that in my notes, and I've literally only just opened my notes. Okay, so this is Ghost Machine, episode three of season one from the 29th of October, 2006. Written by Helen Rayner and directed by Colin Teague. Right, okay, one second, Matt. What? Hi, you got a, you got a joke for us? What does Doctor do on a toilet? Sticky, sticky poos. <laughs> Ah, that is a top quality joke. Thank you very much, kiddo. Come on, let's go. Right, I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, sticky boys. <laughs> <laughs> There's bright things in that boy's future. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> uh, right, okay. Right. So then. So... We open with... I, I, I can't think straight, David. I'm just waiting for him to come back and call me a stinky boy again. Or... <laughs> He's gone downstairs now. I think we're safe. Right. Uh, Gwen and Owen open the episode having a little runabout whilst Jack's driving to a target. They're chasing mm -hmm. some youth. Um, so... The 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 uh, as alluded to by the by the curator himself, the editing in this scene is frenetic to the point of being nausea inducing. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, it dates. It it dates this episode so much. This style of editing, where it's absurdly quick cuts and shaky camera and whip pans and it just. It, it, it belies a lack of confidence, I think, in the material yeah. when the editing is this over the top. Right. Then Gwen dodges a closing door. She does it a little bit like uh, Indiana Jones. But the mm -hmm. lad escapes. Uh, but it turns out they were never chasing the boy, David. They were chasing <sighs> what was in his coat, some sort of weird artefact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gwen immediately just pushes the button. Yeah. Not her smartest move, she. No, I mean, there's yeah. It it again. It it really brings into question uh, Captain Jack's judge of character and ability to effectively lead a team. I would say last week when she threw the chisel, I'd give her a verbal warning. I'd be giving her a first written <laughs> warning here. Absolutely. I'd be pulling together yeah. a disciplinary panel. Yeah. Grab an alien artefact, immediately just push a button, see what it does. Yeah. Great job. Uh, so she sees a wartime orphan. Mm -hmm. uh, he walks away, and when she's back in the present, Gwen tells Captain Jack she just saw a ghost. 
Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, it clearly wasn't a ghost because the entire surroundings changed, Gwen. It was very much more like you just were suddenly transposed in time. Would have thought that was pretty obvious, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we get the always welcome Torchwood theme music. Oh, yes. It's such a memorable theme, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. When I watched an episode of Torchwood, I, I'm, I'm humming that tune for days afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Just really gets stuck in my head. So, they, um, yeah. they all review some CCTV footage, but uh turns out nothing happened. It was just, like, yeah. over as quickly as it started. Um, yeah. So they check the records for a Tom Erasmus Flanagan. That was the boy's name. He had a little tag, because he was quite clearly some mm -hmm. sort of refugee. Uh, yeah. And Owen finds him in the phone book. Oh, I hated this bit. That really reminds me of, you know, when you've got like just old fogey writers who are just like, oh, you young people and your computers. Yeah. You know, it was very much. Have you seen that clip of, I want to say it's one of the CSI shows where they're being hacked and the sort of the wise older man just uh, wanders over and unplugs the computer like all of the young kids, like the young guys are like, oh no, we're being hacked. And they're like frantically just mashing the keyboards. And then he's just like, oh, and unplugs the PC. And like, yeah, you're not being hacked now. And I'm just like, that's not how that works, mate. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but anyway, unless. Because yeah. like, I'll tell you what, all Owen, the important information so is. smart if Tommy Rasmus Flanagan was ex directory. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just it really rubbed me up the wrong way. That like, to to him for him to just be so smugly like, oh yeah, no, we don't need fancy uh, data records. Just look him up in the phone book. Duh. It's like, well, I mean, great, but it doesn't like, it doesn't like make me think. Wow, what a bunch of conf, uh, you know, competent, extra, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, like secret operatives. Torchwood are if that's what they're doing just looking people up in the phone book and knocking on doors yeah uh, anyway right uh, so they, still get they go to his that. house and yeah. Gwen begins to question him and he mm -hmm. recounts his evacuation uh, we see that he was the boy from the station um, yeah. and that's kind of just where his story ends isn't it Yes, yeah. Um, nicely written little scene, though, mm. I think. It is in that it just yeah. easily shows you how that works, basically. Yeah. Um, can I check? Because I, I was, I was, I'll be honest, I was a touch distracted when we were doing the rundown. Is it Chibber's writing this week? Uh, it's Helen Rayner. Ah, oh, Helen Rayner. All oh, right, yeah. Um who, of course, wrote for Who as well. Mm. Do you want me to quickly Google which episode she wrote? I don't need to Google it. I am pretty confident it was the uh, Daleks in Manhattan two-parter and the Sontaran two-parter in Series 4. Ooh, well, let's just see. Let's just see. Uh, she wrote Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution of the Daleks. She wrote the Sontaran Stratagem and the Poison Sky. And she continued script editing duties on Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead. Well, there we go. There we go. Uh, and she's got a Series 2 episode of Torchwood coming up. Oh, very nice. Well, busy, busy, his old ray gun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, this is where Reese rings Gwen. Gwen's ever... Dutiful partner like, that just puts up with all yeah. the Torchwood nonsense. Yeah. Uh, Are you feeling sympathetic towards Reese then? Uh, no, because he's angry all the time. <laughs> I don't know. He seems he seems cheerful enough. Well, he's just like, "Are you ever going to come home?" Yeah. And I don't know. Does he think she's still a policewoman? 
Uh, she thinks... He thinks she's on secondment to some special ops unit. That's it. And, and she's not allowed to go into any more detail than that. And I think... I don't know. I think it's a very believable reaction where he's basically saying, look, I don't mind that you're busy... It's, but it's, you know, it's hard when I never know if you're going to be around or not, you know. That's a hard way to maintain a relationship, I would say. And obviously that is one of the undercurrents that presumably is going to be going on for at least a good chunk of this series. And they seem to be setting something up that we'll talk about later that I am not on board with. Yes. <laughs> right. But we'll get there. Uh, so Jack tracks the lad that had the machine earlier and we find out that he is Bernie. Mm. Uh, so they go to see him and he's impossible to track down. Now, so, I, I, I will say, like, the whole characterization and, and stuff around Bernie, like, 2006 was, like, peak old people tutting about hooded youths. Yeah. Wasn't it? Well, we it was really... Oh, boy, do we. And, like, it, I just... Again, it's one of those elements I think really dates this this episode that a character like Bernie and the way, the way he's written here... That it, it almost seems like the fact that he goes around wearing a hoodie is somehow a, a signifier yeah. that he's a wrong Yeah. Um, so Jack yeah. decides he's going to recreate the scene at the train station... Because he's fuming Torchwood couldn't track down Miss Bernie. Um, and when they've finished eating their pasties, um, Owen pushes the button and he himself sees a scene from back in time. Why do all of these people, who presumably are trained in the acquisition, cataloguing, and careful storage of alien artefacts, many of which are extremely dangerous. And this one in particular, we've already established, has weird time-related powers that they do not fully understand. Why does he just push that button? Yeah, especially, yeah. like we say, we know, he's, we know he's a bad egg, but he does seem yeah. the most competent member of the team. It, it, it does seem that way at times, but yeah... So this he, is what happens. he pushes it and he sees a girl who's yeah. upset. We find out yeah. that the girl is called Lizzie Lewis and she's upset because she's been wronged by a young man called Ed Morgan. Mm. Um, Ed Morgan tries to seduce her, gives her a little kiss, uh, and then he slaps her and pulls out a knife. Uh -huh. uh, and this is the point where Owen snaps out of it. So back at Torchwood oh. HQ... They do their research, and we find out that Lizzie Lewis was raped and murdered that night. Yeah, and Owen's very shocked by all of this, and and I do, and I'm I'm not equating the actions we saw there with with his approach to no. uh, such things, but it it does leave a slightly bad taste in my mouth that what we saw him do in episode one seems to have been completely swept under the rug by this point. Because well, now all of a sudden he's, you know, he's sort of filled with um, righteous anger over this, this poor woman being wronged. It could be the turning point for his character. I hope so. Um, uh, but it, 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 I feel like if if this was meant to be some kind of change of heart moment, they didn't do enough to connect those dots. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It to me this almost feels more like a retcon. Well, I, I guess. Um, which, to be honest, I'm okay with because if I'm supposed to be sympathetic towards the character, I would sooner forget the fact that we saw him. Uh, trying to date rape people in the first episode. Yeah, we we can't really judge until we've seen how he behaves in the future. Now, no, we, we can't. This we is can't. a learning and I, opportunity, and we've got yeah. to see whether. It and takes I, I don't. I that's the thing. I definitely don't want to get hung up on that uh, um, because obviously he is sticking around, um, and 
we'll just have to see where we go but but um yeah i did find <sighs> yeah i'm still struggling with this character i guess is that is is the best way i can put it yeah um and to be honest you know i, I struggle with his behavior in this episode as well for different reasons uh, but anyway, yes. Um, so we find out the machine is a quantum transducer. Oh, it, mm-hmm. it traps emotional energy. Yes. Folks. Because boy, does Captain Jack very blithely say emotions are energy. Yeah. Like that's a thing we all believe and is scientifically accurate. Yeah. Hold on. Let me let me just check because I'm sure you'll remember David from when you did science yeah. at school. You remember yeah. the way you remember the eight forms of energy, the eight energy stores? Uh, I don't remember. I, but I'm assuming there's a handy mnemonic for it. Yeah, so I want you to imagine you've gone to B&Q, David. Yeah. And you're buying eight kilograms, so kg, of cement. Yep, yeah, kg. Right. So obviously you've got kinetic and yeah. gravitational potential for kg. KG, yeah. So the cement is chemical. Yeah. Electrical. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Magnetic. Yeah. Elastic potential. Mm-hmm. Nuclear and thermal. Right. Okay. There you go. And emotions come under which, which of those? Oh, that's when you're very happy that you've bought eight kilograms of cement. <laughs> Big old smile. Oh dear. Um, so once we've got that, yeah, baffling. Owen yes. wants to go charge Ed, but Captain Jack says no. Uh, mm-hmm. Jack wants to train Gwen how to use a gun, so he does it in the creepiest possible manner. Mm. Didn't enjoy yeah. this scene at all. No. Especially, I know we mention it every week. Knowing what we now know about John Barrowman, I didn't enjoy watching this. But yeah, anyway, I mean, let's not dwell on that. I, I, no, I was just going to say, just from purely again, I don't want to get hung up on Torchwood and its employment practices, but like, that is just inappropriate. Yeah. Straight up inappropriate, and and it does basically make one wonder: Did Captain Jack hire Gwen purely because he fancied her? Well, again, we're just... We've not... Let's be honest. We've not seen anything to do related to her sort of policing skills to imply that she is in any way above average. Not saying she's bad, but she seems just, like, to have basically the skill set of any standard reliable police officer. Um, So... The, the the only difference seems to be the fact that Captain Jack is into her. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Un- un- unpleasant viewing, which I do not wish to repeat. So, uh, we also find out Captain Jack doesn't sleep. He just lives at Torchwood all the time. Uh, yeah. Gwen not goes healthy. back to an empty house without Reese. And yep. Owen begins to relive the murder. He's he's obsessed, isn't he? He's focused on yep. this murder. Uh, yep. Gwen again presses the button on the transducer. Um, oh yeah, because she just took it home with her. Yeah, she's used for 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 no for no no sodding reason. Yeah, that would be why her did she take it warning. home? She'd now be on a final warning under my employment yeah. rule. Um. So Reese and and of course the only reason the only reason within the script that that happens is so that they can have the sort of flashbacks, yeah, to the good to times. happy times with 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 Reese, which I, I'll be honest, we don't just do that. Just you don't need the artifact to do that. Yeah, you could just have a flashback. Oh, she could just look okay. around at all the photos of them smiling together. Yeah. Oh, dear. But then we wouldn't have got the, 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 the hilarious moment where she's threatening to staple his balls. Yeah. That's, a, that's always welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, good, solid family entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's the bit James Swift was scared of? 
<laughs> or that Eve Miles would just be chasing you with a stapler. Yeah. Had that nightmare for weeks. Yeah. So Reese comes home. They make up. Meanwhile, Owen's just getting drunk, obsessing about the murder. So he goes yeah. to see Ed Morgan and confronts him. Um, but Ed shouts and kicks him out of his house. Yeah. Uh, but whilst he's been kicked out, Owen sees Bernie and chases him. And he chases him yeah. so long. And we get another another foot chase scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, um, so we get our second on-foot chase scene of the episode. This one, weirdly played for laughs. Yeah, it's very um, hot fuzz, isn't it? Yeah, just out of nowhere. All of a sudden, yeah, we just get this, like, just silly chase scene. Especially I when half it comes immediately them... after accusing a man of rape. <laughs> you know, that's a total yeah. left turn, isn't it? Uh, is very much a left turn. Um, yeah. Right. So whilst they're having a pint, all of Torchwood turn up, and Bernie tells us that he found the transducer whilst robbing a lockup, um, and he'd also seen someone dispose of a baby. Mm. Yeah, that's just an extra bit, isn't it? That doesn't really. Yeah. It's not relevant to anything else in this story. Just another harrowing tale to throw in there, just for fun. Yeah. Uh, now, this is where we learn Bernie's got the other half of the transducer. Because oh, he also yeah. found some alien rocks and some alien coins. Mm. And when he used the other half, instead of seeing the past, he saw the future. He saw his future and he saw his death, David. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Uh, oh, that's not, not ideal. So, this is where we get the worst sound bite of the episode, David, that I need to oh, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm just going to turn the volume on full on my phone. You are in for a surprise. No, that's Tegan. Hopefully it's nice and loud and you can hear it. Just for no reason, it goes in slow motion when he goes, Gwen! No! Oh, no! Oh, dear. Rubbish. Load of rubbish. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, Gwen pushes the button and she sees herself unable to stop a stabbing. She says, oh, Owen had the knife. So she thinks Owen's obviously going to kill old Ed. Mm. Uh, so, Tosh, who has done nothing this episode, reports to Owen about Ed. Um, and, you know, fills him in on his background and stuff, says he's psychotic, he's got agoraphobia, stuff like that. Uh, and at the same time, Ed calls Bernie. So, Bernie, it turns out, has told Gwen that he'd seen the murder and the attempted rape too, um, and he's been, black money, uh, he's been blackmailing and getting money out of old Ed. Yeah. Uh, so Morgan is heading towards Bernie with a knife. Owen and Jack grab Ed Morgan and Owen takes the knife away. Oh, Owen's got the knife. It's just like Gwen saw in her premonition. Yeah. Um, But Owen thankfully says, no, I'm not going to stab him. So Gwen takes the knife and thinks all is well mm-hmm. but Ed slowly walks towards her without enough force to possibly impale himself on that knife but he does he, <laughs> he gets stabbed and dies uh, yeah and produ- produces an insane amount of blood oh yeah, uh, yeah. like so quickly yeah uh, Gwen um, goes into shock Jack entirely dismisses a man's death end of episode <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's, 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 oh. Jack will be out under the cover of darkness planting bodies again oh, presumably oh god I don't know but... okay uh, what I, I do appreciate that this episode wasn't for the first time it felt like that the series was calming down a little bit and not just throwing 
you know, sex and gore all over the shop just for the hell of it, just because they can. Um, but, and, and I also think it is the best written and best structured of the three episodes. But I still don't, I'm not clear on what, what, what is it saying? Do you know mm. what I mean? I think good science fiction at its core ought to at least gently be probing at some sort of question or some sort of idea. You know, th- making us think about what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to, um, you know, what could our future be like? Or how have we moved on from the past? Or And, and despite playing with themes of past and present, I, I, I found myself just completely unmoved by it. Yeah. Really. It's one of those episodes you experience, isn't it? It's just there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a neat... By the time you, you, you get to the end, you know, we've put all the puzzle pieces together. We've got a little picture. But that picture is just, I don't know, it's just like an underwhelming picture of some clouds. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, all right then. That's kind of, So that was kind of my, my, my final failing when we got to the end of this. Um, the fact that I, I definitely have seen this one before, but remembered nothing about it probably speaks volumes. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, onwards, perhaps to bigger and better things. I would hope As we so. continue our journey through series one of Torchwood. Next week, Matt, we will be discussing an episode called Cyber Woman. Cyber Woman? Oh, it's not Cybermen, is it? No, it's Cyberwomen. Or at least uh, one of them. Cyberwoman. I hate Make of that what you will, Matt. Make of that what you will. Uh, But until then, as always, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.